is the House of Pop Culture. I am Anthony Donovan. Amy Meredith. Derwood Murray. And Joe Reese. And for the next hour or so, we'll be talking your face off about all things pop culture related. Now, for those of you who listened last week, you saw we worked through our best and worst TV and movie heroes. And that was really difficult. It proved to be quite a challenge. And rest assured, gentle listener, we learned our lesson. So we're not doing anything hard this week. This week, we're doing villains. Yay! I love villains. <laughs> oh, that's cute how you thought it wasn't hard. Uh, much easier oh, than heroes. So much easier. Uh, well, it was harder to narrow down. Yeah, that was it, the hard part. It is very easy to think of good TV villains or even the best TV villains. To think of the worst, though, for me was very difficult. Okay. A, because I don't watch a whole lot of shows that actually have villains, per se. And if they're bad villains, I'm certainly not going to continue watching that show. And that show probably doesn't last very long. A villain is what's necessary in order for us to keep going. That's shocking to hear from you. Because considering how much WWE you watch... <laughs> More on that later. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, all right. Well, we're going to just break it on down like we did last time. Uh, let's start. We're going to start with the worst villains in TV land. The worst and TV land. Um, did you do your homework this time, boys? Mostly. I, I, I put something I together. I did it last time, too. I don't let me in with these two fools. I, I did it last time. Don't it's, start it's, Joe. It's good, we're, it's good we're starting with this one, because TV worst was the hardest for me to do. All right. Who wants to go first? Anybody? I'll go first. Oh, Derwood. All right. And some of these are going to be obscure, because I really had to dig at the bottom of the barrel to get a list together. But we'll start off simple. Uh, I'm going with Mr. Roper from Three's Company. <laughs> he's a villain. He's a villain. Because he's cock-blocked him. And he was, he was ineffective. Uh, his motivations were all weird and wonky and wrong. And I mean, and for, for the love of God, what man doesn't want to have sex with his wife? That's just, come on. Come on. Okay. I always think he's a bad villain that way. But yeah, Mr. Roper, that's my that's my first one there. All right. Interesting. How about you, Joe? What's your first one? So a lot of times when it came to villains, usually especially when, you, when you're a TV villain, there usually is sometimes a certain ineptness to the, to, to the villain because usually they end up losing. So usually most of the time between a good villain and a bad villain is the level of ineptness. Like, so... These TV ones that are bad are just way beyond the ineptness. And this is the most recent one to my list. Right. It's a show I've been watching a lot recently. But I'm going to say The Mayor from Paw Patrol. <laughs> because, like, straight up, everyone knows this dude is, like, evil. He has these cats. And he just is an idiot. He is, like... I mean, he's almost like Dirk Dastardly, like caricature, but worse than Dirk Dastardly sort of thing, like in a in a not good way. But yeah, the mayor from Paw Patrol is. You're just straight up watching Paw Patrol. So. <laughs> All the other parents out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. What about you? All right. My uh, my first one is kind of a very strange one uh, because. She, you want to talk about ineffective. Uh, 
she only showed up for one scene of one series, but it was a memorable scene. It was one of the most memorable scenes in daytime television history. And that is the character of Helena Cassidine, played by Elizabeth Taylor on General Hospital. Now, let me show you, let me show you how, th- how rough shit was getting for Liz in the 70s, right? She appeared in the Luke and Laura wedding episode of General Hospital as a character we had never seen before, had never been mentioned before, and she showed up for one reason and one reason only, and that was to curse Luke and Laura on their wedding day. Like, wait, you mean like she cursed at them or she put like a witchy curse on them? Well, no, it was daytime television. She could be like, fuck y'all. No, she, <laughs> it was daytime television. So she, she put a curse on Luke and Laura that they may never find happiness and, you know, have bad luck for, for, for the rest of their lives. And it's never explained why. Did the curse come to effect? Well, yeah, their lives were shitty. Well, then I think she's a good villain then. One shot, boom, she took him out. I don't know. I don't think know. of how much money she made. Right? That. Right? If she were really that good, she'd have came back and put more curses on more people. Oh, it's fine. All right. I watch a lot of TV. So I have a lot to choose from. My, my first go, and mine is also with Joe, I, inept. A lot of my villains are inept. Um, I love the show when it started, The Following. Joe Carroll in The Following. At the first, he's a cult leader. And like his cult people go out and they kill people. It's what they're supposed to do. Good cult leader. But then he loses control of the cult. That is a bad villain. You <laughs> cannot control your cult. You don't get to be a villain. You must control your cult. Bad villain. I don't know if anybody else watched the following. It was good. Kevin Bacon was on it. I believe you. It was it was good. Like the first season was like set up where like he did all of his crimes and murders like with Edgar Allan Poe poetry. It, you know, it was kind of cool. But then he lost control of his cult and he no longer was in charge. And bad villain. Bad villain. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yes, I'm yeah. still the villain. I know. All right. <laughs> Next one up. What you got, Derwin? I, I do uh, have one before we move on. Yeah. I, uh, just for funsies, I just did a little research on, on Helena Cassidine. And uh, apparently she did come back later played by other actresses, but that doesn't matter because we're talking about Elizabeth Taylor in that role. But if you look it up on Wikipedia, the character, her, her occupation is listed as socialite terrorist. <laughs> 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 Couldn't that also have been said about Liz Taylor in the 70s? I guess. I get. Damn. All right. Sorry, Derwood. Moving on. Actually, the funny thing is, it was scripted. Liz Taylor just happened to show up that day, <laughs> cursed the wedding, <laughs> and left. All right. Uh, my next one, also from the 70s, uh, Carvelli and Murray from Welcome Back, Cotter. Wow. Uh, yeah. I told you I was going a bit obscure. So here's the thing. The whole concept of the show already had this struggle between the Sweat Hogs and Mr. Cotter, kind of going back and forth, or Mr. Woodman and the Sweat Hogs and Mr. Cotter. There was just no need for more uh, the animosity to be held between anybody else and the Sweat Hogs. It was almost like it was they were other Sweat Hogs that weren't cool enough to actually be Sweat Hogs that were beefing with the Sweat Hogs, and it was just unnecessary. And I would blame it on jumping the shark, but it happened in season two. 
So they hadn't really jumped the shark yet. I mean, John Travolta was still there and everything. So yeah, I it was it was just bad. It was not a good look. Uh, maybe they just jumped the shark early and they ran out of ideas after season one. But whatever. Uh, yeah, they they were not sweat hogs a lot. Well, that was the show. <laughs> I mean. Never- an episode of that show and also how am i older than Durwood, but yet i feel far too young for this discussion <laughs> you never saw welcome back cotter even in reruns i mean i did when i was a child Wait, rerun was on that <laughs> no that, damn it joe god damn it joe <laughs> all right so what you got um my next one and I'll just let you know, all of my worst TV villains are all animated. So um, this next one, he's inept. How hard is it to find a bunch of little blue people in a effing forest? How big is that fucking forest? We're going with Gargamel. Because seriously, and all he wanted to do was eat them. Like, seriously. I, I, I like there's some shit that's like you know what that sounds delicious I really want to eat it but at the end I'm like you know what there's a lot of work I'm just gonna order a goddamn pizza <laughs> okay Joe was on my list too so Gargamel was my number four and all I wrote from my notes was what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> wow like they're singing all the time too it's not there's like actually, they're quiet it's not like they're subtle we're, uh, he, he discovers that if he finds six Smurfs, he can actually turn them into gold. So it wasn't always just about eating them. Was it, so would he, would he have eaten the gold? No, he wanted, he could find six Smurfs and he could what cast if, a spell on them to turn them to gold. But it requires- what, what, if, what if he eats six and casts a spell, will he shit gold? Oh my God. These are the answers we need to know about the Smurfs. So you mean to tell me, uh, like, if, if I see a golden Smurf, that's Gargamel poop? Yes. I mean, quite quite possibly, yes. Was that seriously your next one? I mean, yes. I mean, and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know that his excrement is in the shape of what he ate. I don't know his butthole, but I... <laughs> but with Gargamel, really, what, what the fuck? Wow. And he was bad at it. He was bad at it. Yeah. Inept, I, as Joe said. Never would have guessed that at any point during our podcast, we would ever bring up Gargamel's butthole. <laughs> you don't know us very well. Apparently I don't. I had that by season seven, like from the <laughs> beginning. We'll bring it up. Wasn't that the name of the pilot, the, the series finale? <laughs> <laughs> Gargamel's butthole. That's it. My turn. You was that really your fourth? Yes. Okay. My fourth was the evil queen and once upon a time. You are the evil queen. And she turns out to be a good guy by the end. That is a betrayal. That's a weak sauce villain. Everything that the evil queen is. Having just rewatched Snow White recently, let me tell you, that movie wasn't five minutes in before she was ready to kill and get rid of Snow White. Like, it was like murder right from the top. I didn't like, like, first season, if they had stopped at the first season, right. she's still bad through there. And it was like, okay, good. Her and Rumpelstiltskin were still great. Yeah. And then it just goes on, and I was like, okay, you guys kind of forgot where you're going with this, so. Well, she just kept getting nicer, and then, like, by the, I didn't even finish the last season, but, like, by the last season, she was the hero of that the season. It's like, you're the evil queen. 
It's in your name. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. It's like Kenny Cole. <laughs> he was All the right. villain of the motorcycle games. Sherwood, what you got? Uh, I've got Louis the Lilac from the Batman series. He was played by Milton Berle, and he wore a lilac suit with a lilac pimp hat. And his whole thing was he could he could hypnotize people with like a combination of flowers and their scent, and he could like control the scent of flowers. And his whole thing was he wanted to <laughs> he wanted to like control all the flower shops in Gotham. Uh, to be able to contain their scent uh, and make a cologne from that to be able to hypnotize everybody in Gotham and then take it over. Um, and it's as dumb as it sounds as I'm describing it. So I, I think it was dumber. Like, I think you actually played it up too well. Like, huh. I love that show. Like, I love it. And out, But outside of the core villains who were great in their own weird way mm -hmm. all the other if you if it wasn't joker riddler catwoman or penguin if it wasn't one of those four there were some shitty ass villains <laughs> king tut was eyed uh, and king tut, tut was eyed. but like egghead louis the lilac minerva they were all just crap yeah but louis the lilac was the worst Joe, what you got? My next one, although they went off and had their own series where, I don't know, it's a little different, but I would definitely say on Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, because their sole purpose was taking over the world. Not once. But I Never. love them. And they, oh, oh, they were great. I love them. But they were bad. Like, they were not good at their, their main one purpose in life. Like, I mean, it's, and this can be said about all villaindom. Let's, let's be real. Most villains are horrible in, in hiring people. They hire the most stupid, stupid henchmen. Like, seriously, hire some good henchmen. Yeah, odds are they're going to try and take over from you. Whatever. But if you want a chance to even be able to, like, take over in the first place, you need good henchmen. Otherwise, they're going to screw it up somehow. All right. right. I love Pinky and the Brain, damn it. Oh, I love Pinky and the Brain. Right. But yeah, no, they were they were they were right now. I'm surprising I'm surprised how uh how animated our lists are skewing so far. Uh because my ne next one is Murky Dismal from Rainbow Bright. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Okay, well let me let me tell you. I'll break it down for you, all right? So, you got this bitch. Her name's Rainbow Bright, right? <laughs> and she's like the queen all right, but she's so. but she's not gay, but every gay man that sees her wants to be her, right? So she's just doing her thing, and she lives on this planet where all of the, the kids are colors, like they own a color. Oh. Like Lala Orange, she was in charge of orange. I want to be purple. Boy Blue was in charge of blue. You know, purple. And this purple Nurple was in charge of purple. This was not. But Murky Dismal was her enemy. That's a great name, though. And he, well, and, and like, he, he kind of looked a, a bit like Mario from Mario Brothers, except he was green. Uh, and he wanted to, you know, he wanted to rid the world of color and rainbows because they made people happy. And I had no idea as a 10-year-old that someday that would be the White House. <laughs> but 
We're not talking politics. No, 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 no. But Murky does, and of course, very inept. Could not have the dumbest fucking henchman whose name was Lurky. Who, as far as I could tell, was like a dust bunny with a giant nose. And they could not defeat Rainbow Bright. She just got it like that. And Murky Dismal was a completely ineffective villain. I am sorry. I never thought for one second he would win. That's the thing. You've got to think that the villains at some point are going to win. That's what makes a good villain. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Or at least they get some, They get enough ahead that they may not completely reach their end goal, right. but they've had enough credibility up until be some danger. Yeah. All right. My third one. Recently, American Horror Story Apocalypse. Michael. He's supposed to be the Antichrist, and he is the whiniest little man on the entire show. I... Nothing like Sounds about right though in real life. If you're the bad. Antichrist, you should be a <laughs> badass. Like that should be you should come out on top. No. Whiner. He whined and cried almost that entire series. What? <laughs> it was awful. I, I never I never got to that apocalypse, but um, as far as like I like the way he like he like blended a bunch of the different series into that one. I thought that was cool, but Michael needed to be a badass, and he was a whiny little bitch. Who, who played I, him? I don't even know the kid's name. Like, yeah. Oh, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a series regular? Oh, but he's in the, the 80s one now. He's in that one, the last oh, one. Oh, okay. I'm sure he'll be a regular now as far it as... Should, it should have been Jessica Lange. Just she should have been every... Yes, I agree. She would, she's an awesome villain. She makes oh, great... But yeah, ugh, Michael, horror story, apocalypse. He's played by Cody Fern. Even his name, his real name. Like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> you can't have a villain played by Cody Fern. Michael. Like, I mean, at best, I think he would be Antichrist adjacent, maybe. Yeah, his name know. was Michael Langdon. You mean the guy from Little House on the Prairie was the Antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude. That, That's Michael that Langdon. Probably been better. All right, Derwood, what you got? Number four. Okay. So my next one is the one guy that won the Pulitzer for writing the fraudulent story in the last season of The Wire. <laughs> so the last season of The Wire was like a dumpster fire. of a, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was still good performances and whatnot, but we have this show for the past like four seasons. We're, we're looking at the Baltimore Police Department trying to take down drug dealers and trying to, you know, get them with the wire. Then this last season's all about the Baltimore Sun and newspaper writing. And this one guy who wins a Pulitzer with a story that he frauded up with a fraud source and whatnot. And it went way left. Uh, I'd accuse it of jumping the shark, but it's like they invented a whole new series that they went the direction of. I don't even know if the police were even in this in this season. It was crazy, but we had to be we had to sit there. Essentially, the dude who came up with the wire had beef with somebody he went to journalism school with, and decided to take it out on him with this whole season of the wire, which is not what I signed up for. This is the this is the first time I have ever heard anything bad about the wire because normally people just go on and on about how amazing that show was. The first four seasons are transcendent. That last season, I'm still wondering why and what and how the hell was that? All right. Joe, what you got? 
Um, number four. My number two is someone that couldn't even best Inspector Gadget. We're talking Dr. Claw or Inspector <laughs> Gadget. He couldn't even figure out that it was Penny, the one that's solving everything. Nope. Just, you know, idiot Inspector Gadget is the one defeating him. And, yeah. Wow. Joe, I like that Joe went all cartoon, although you got one more. Maybe you'll surprise me. I, I recently watched the movie. It was terrible. Oh, oh, why? Oh, why? I, I, think, I, was, I think I was working at the theater when that came out. I was watching out. all of Disney's catalog, and that one was in oh, there. Oh, I forgot that was Disney. Yeah, and, well, and the fact that, first off, you see Claw. What the fuck is up with that? That's oh, some yeah. bullshit. No, it was terrible. All right, what you got? All right, my next one is actually from a sitcom from the 80s. Uh, and you always need a villain in any kind of setup where you have a story because you need that conflict. You need, you need something to happen. And in the 80s, there was a admittedly terrifying show called Small Wonder that I was a big fan of. <laughs> now, you would think... Buzz? You would think that in a TV show about an inventor who invents a robot little girl as his daughter Ew. wouldn't be terrifying enough. But they needed someone who was the foil, the enemy, the villain, if you will. And that was left up to the little girl next door, nosy neighbor Harriet, as played by Emily Shulman. And as far as I could tell, the biggest problem with Harriet is that she was Sweet Harriet. nosy. She was redheaded, ugly, and horny. <laughs> no, no, Harriet had that thirst, though. <laughs> For the little kid, the boy, not the robot. That'd be weird. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the weird part. Yes, you know, yes. you invent your, you invent a daughter, and then the little girl from next door comes looking for a sex robot. You're a monster. <laughs> But anyway, a terrible I'm villain. I'm sure you could find that on the internet. I'm, right. I'm sure you could. But yeah, a terrible villain. She was just annoying. Not much of a villain. And no. she wasn't really bringing much to the table in, in, in the school of villainry. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you on that one, Anthony. All right. My number two, I'm going to classify it. It's a, it. This is a grouping. And it is any reality competitive show where someone shows up and says, they're going to be the bad guy. That they're I'm not here to make friends. I wrote that on my thing. I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> those people. I hate those, those people. Those people all need to go fuck themselves. Yes. Every time I've like watched a reality show and like one of the girls is like, I'm the bitch. I'm the death. I, I look at Anthony and go, she'll be the first one to start crying. And she and is. She is. <laughs> you know what, though? I want to see that this season on the British, Great British, no. British Bake Off. I'm not here to make friends. No, they're better than us. I'm here to make. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make life mates. <laughs> <laughs> I love and those pies. Lots of scrumptious pies. I'm not going home until I have everyone's number in my phone so that I may call them. <laughs> and just see how they're doing. Make sure they're okay. Awful words of support. <laughs> yeah. Reality TV show, people who come in wanting to be the villain. Fuck those people. I can't stand that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, I, you're absolutely right. What you got? Number one. My last one. Uh, if you remember the cartoon, the Super Friends and the Legion of Doom, 
Uh, there was one character from the Legion of Doom that was just extraneous and not needed, apparently. Uh, that was Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy is actually, in comics, comic books, he's actually a, a, a zombie. He's like undead. He's like necromanced, back to whatever. And it, the, the character concept is necroromanced. Anyway, so the character concept is actually kind of cool, but the way they portrayed him on the cartoon was in a very politically incorrect way, ah. is the way that I want to say it. And they made him see anti-Semite? No. He was um he was not smart. Ah. Um, at least he was not portrayed as someone who was smart. And he was portrayed in such a way as to make you think that he was neurodiverse. Even though that's not any part it, yes, Anthony's run run by the Jews. Of Solomon Grundy. <laughs> and the way the way the character was played, imagine somebody imagine you gave a note to an actor and said, Hey, you know what we need here? We need Lenny from Of Mice and Men, but kind of evil. Can you do that? <laughs> and that's that's what that character is. Time to kill the rabbits. I mean Stop it. What? Yeah. That was my Lenny from Of Mice and Men. But imagine somebody trying to make that into an evil cartoon. That's what they did. Um, it's offensive, frankly, and uh, just really, really bad. And he never really did anything, except he would sit around the big table, and he would say things like, me agree, and shit like that. It was bad. It was just really bad. It's like off-brand villain, bad writing Hulk. Yes, exactly. Me agree. Now I want to see him argue with Captain Caveman. Like, let's see that argument. Captain <laughs> All right, Joe, what do you got? Worst villain. Who's the worst? My worst villains, and it's a big group, and, um, come from my one of my favorite shows of all time, probably my, one of my favorite animated shows of all time, and that is every single fucking villain from Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? <laughs> I almost chose that. <laughs> they cannot outsmart two people that are obviously fucking one that keeps losing her glasses and can't see, and a stoned hippie and his fucking stone dog. What that, about and, that, and the fact that they can all break laws of physics. Maybe that's what it is, because they go in one door, come out another, you know, and all this weird shit. <laughs> and this random music starts playing, and they do it, all that. But, yeah, every single film. They out elaborate ruses that, like, trick entire towns, entire villages. Yet these five fuckers show up, <laughs> and within thirty minutes, they have figured out. And it's usually just some old white dude. So I mean, that at least is realistic that it's an old white dude being the villain. But like in life, yeah, yeah. But sadly, the ones in real life are not that inept because they no. keep winning. All right, who's your worst? Uh, one thing you will find in my list of worst movie villains is they all, a lot of them have the same kind of thing in common is that I believe they are worst villains because they are maligned as the villain and I don't believe they are the actual villain even though they're supposed to be the villain in the story, right? That's a weird way to go about this. I know, okay. I know. Because because uh, I was really thinking about it and I, I not only thought about a list of villains, but if for any TV show, who would you say the villain is, right? And I thought of a show that was a reality show that had one person on it who anyone watching it would call the villain. And that person is Simon Cowell. Mm -hmm. And he was my number one pick because everyone would say he was a villain 
I don't. But well, no, because you're evil. But I think <laughs> I think that he was usually right. Yep. He wasn't polite. No. But he was always very direct. And I believe that for someone who's supposed to be the quote unquote villain, I don't think he delivers on a, a lot of traditional villainry. Well, no, he never took over the world. Now, I would love to see keeping with the British theme. Him and Gordon Ramsay guest hosting on the Great British Bake Off. That'd be no. fun. <laughs> but then being absolutely polite. Like them just being all like, that was good. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All I'm right. My, my worst TV villain, and I loved this show, was the smoke monster on Lost. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Fair enough. There were a lot of great villains on that show, and the smoke monster was not one of them. I I never understood it, um, and I'm good about figuring shit out on TV shows. Well, and I think for the ultimate payoff, like there's the mystery about it, and then it's like, ooh, this is, and then once, and I and I and I and I love the TV show through the end, and but that was yeah a weird kind of, eh? Eh? yeah, that's my thing. It was on a, on a show that I really loved. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a show that you went, huh? A lot. But like this this was a huh and not a good way. Yeah. And I enjoy a good eh. Yeah, that's All the right. thing. That show had a lot of oh shit. Oh yeah. All right. Best TV villains. Your best TV villains, folks. Oh, this is good. It's a good one. I love TV villains. All mm -hmm. right. Well, I like villains anyway. All right, Durwood, start us off. All right. I'm gonna start off uh, with somebody from a show that's already been mentioned. Uh, I'm going with the Riddler from the Batman TV series. What Frank Gorshin did with that character and the energy that he brought to it, it was, it was perfect for what they were doing with that TV series. The whole point of that TV series was to kind of lighten up Batman. Um, it had been, it had been in the comics, it had been gritty and they kind of wanted to do something light with it. And that's where they went with this TV show. And the whole, the whole mood of that, I thought was best typified by what Frank Gorshin did with the Riddler. And I just, I, to this day, my favorite comic book villain is the Riddler because of Frank Gorshin's Riddler. Uh, just, I have just always been a huge fan of that. Nice. All right, Joe, what you got? Um, mine, this one is not all animated, but the, this one is. And I think summed up by a simple phrase, nah, <laughs> a Skeletor from, even though he is in that... <laughs> because he never wins, but man, he does it with a certain gusto and you know panache, and just Thank you, Alan pulls Alan. it off. Yeah, That's and and one. yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan yeah. of Skeletor. All right, what you got? Mm -hmm. You know, in the Bay Area, they refer to him as Hellator. <laughs> 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 it's a cheap joke, but I had to make it. Okay, <laughs> let me see here. <laughs> Okay. Ah, yes. My number five uh, is one that was actually fairly recent as part of a miniseries based on a very famous true story of something that happened in our government. And uh, my number five best TV villain is Phyllis Schlafly, as played by Kate Blanchett oh. in the miniseries Mrs. America. Oh, she was good. Now, for those unaware, Phyllis Schlafly was uh, basically a housewife. She was a politician's wife. Yes. 
who did her part to make sure that equality of women stayed firmly in the mid, you know, the Middle Ages where she believed it belonged. And uh, she actually was successful. I don't in... think she actually believed that, though. I felt she, I felt like she she wanted to do it because she wanted to get into politics, and that was her open door. So she betrayed the sisterhood. She betrayed the sisterhood to get into politics that way. And one of the beautiful things about this is that, like, the whole thing is an acting clinic. But Kate Blanchett will make you feel sympathy for this evil, evil woman. Yeah. Because, you know, she's Kate Blanchett and she's amazing and the performance is so layered and there's so much subtext and, and depth to it. And you'll spend the whole time watching this being like, oh, I hate this bitch. And Kate Blanchett is God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely uh, my, my number five best TV villain. Good job. All right, my number five. And I don't know if a lot of people have seen this show. It's Killing Eve. The villain is Villanelle is her name. Yeah. I know. She is a sociopath and a uh, killer for hire. But is she a socialite terrorist? (laughs) (laughs) But she is frightening because she enjoys killing very much. She thinks it's fun. She gets giddy about it. So does Eve die every week like Kenny or? No. (laughs) That's on my list of shows to watch. I really want to watch it because it's one of those things. Eve? I see a little bit about the premise, and I'm like, how, like, there's those shows where you're like, everyone's raving about it. It's like, how do they keep this up? Or like, how does this go? This can't be, and then you watch, you're like, holy shit. Or is it about, you know, every night before they kill? No. It's about- the Eve of the kill. Sandra O oh plays Eve. And <laughs> Villanelle, she's, she's like uh, the detective trying to find her. But Villanelle kind of find, falls in love falls in love with her. Aww. So it's like she's killing her slowly and killing her morals and killing what she thinks she stands for. It's amazing. But she is a ooh, she's a villain, and she is yeah. <laughs> oh, she bad. Oh, she bad. She bad. All right, Derwood, what you got? Uh, my next one is going to be Cottonmouth from Luke Cage, season one. Nice. Uh, played uh, marvelously by Marsha Hall Ali. That man, he invoked fear uh, and rage and kept you uneasy, but still had a kind of a swag where you're just like, that's a cool motherfucker, but I think he's trying to kill me. And by me, I mean like me watching T. I thought he was going to try and reach out of the TV and try and actually kill me. But that's part of Mahasha Ali. He's that good. Like, he, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he made that yeah. character. Actually, like when he was on screen, like in the Green Book, you're like, it's not that bad of a... Oh, no, wait, this movie's still shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's good, though. Yes. That's the thing. I he always like, is. You know, I didn't really care for Luke Cage, but I will admit he was a wonderful villain. Very yeah. good villain. Yeah. Absolutely. Joe? Uh, mine is from a... Um, you know, it's a long-running British series, so it's five seasons, and I think maybe a total of, like, eight episodes or something like that. <laughs> Um, one of my favorite and um, with an alumni from The Wire with, um, but as the main lead, but his foil, at least especially the first season, they kind of become buddies, but is the character of Alice Morgan from the TV show Luther. If you've uh, never seen Luther. Oh, yeah. I'm watching it, it now. Is, it is a fantastic, and she just starts out as, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. a psychopath right from the beginning. Oh, like, she's good, yeah. Yeah, and then, then like, you know, they kind of, 
team up a little bit because like he's definitely what you call an anti-hero like he's a good guy but he's you know early um (laughs) he's troubled yeah i think but um but you know it's it's Elba, so you know hey he could be troubled all he wants and it's amazing and but yeah she is amazing she just is evil and like a psychopath and it's brilliant yeah, I, I just started Luther, and I'm really liking it. She's good. I like yeah. her. She's a good villain. All right, what you got? I don't actually have a number four. <laughs> so can we skip you? Yeah, you can skip me. As it turns out, I only had four for my top five. All right, fine. We're skipping him. I don't know. We'll, we'll say uh, Hillary Banks from Fresh Prince. There you go. What the? She wasn't the... <laughs> she wasn't I mean, the... I wouldn't say she was a villain or even a good one. Fake, fake tears when Trevor died. Okay. Uh, that is... Okay. Well, then my number four is one of the creepiest of creepy villains and still scares the shit out of me to this day. That is Bob from Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, yes. That was, that oh. was my number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, so come on, find another one. Yeah, the scene where you finally see him and he's crawling over the couch still scares the hell out of me every single time. Well, and if you if you know anything about Twin Peaks, the role of Bob was not played by an actor. Nope. Uh, Frank Silva, who is the guy who played Bob, was the wardrobe assistant. <laughs> and apparently David Lynch thought this motherfucker was so creepy. And he well, he got accidentally was in a shot. Yeah. And he was accidentally in the shot, and he was like, nope, we're keeping this. And was like, yeah, you you need to play the embodiment of evil in this television series. And, and he does. And he does. And to, it, to terrifying effect. And it yeah. still scares me. And uh, unfortunately, any clips you see of Bob in the new Twin Peaks series are uh, rehashed from previously shot because Frank Silva, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Yeah. Mm. Way to bring us down. Uh, it was your choice. Yours too. But yeah, Bob. Durwood. All right. For the people who know, you know, if I hold up four fingers and if I simply say, woo, I'm talking about the nature boy, Ric Flair, the best heel in wrestling of all time. For a second, I thought you were going to say Little Richard. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's more of a woo. Ric Flair's just woo. Anyway, he made people hate him so much. The whole the whole purpose of a wrestling heel is you're trying to get people to want to pay money to see you lose. And damn, did he do that. But here's the thing. He hardly ever lost. He was so good. And then he would tell you how good he was. And he'd sit there in his $1,000 suits with his $1,000 watches and $1,000 shoes and tell you to your face how good he was and how nobody could beat him. And 95% of the time, he was right. And it was so enraging. And you so badly wanted to see him beaten. And he was so good at getting people to want him see, want, wanting to see him get beaten that eventually we just started respecting how good he was at getting us to hate him. And we started loving him. Best wrestling heel of all time, Ric Flair. The Nature Boy. Nice. <laughs> I'm about to get you to do that more often. It's fun. All right, Joe, what you got? Um, shocking, we're going back to animated. And this one is, um, I believe I had um, 
the, the heroes of this show and my top heroes. And good heroes oftentimes need a good main villain, your, yeah. your arch nemesis. And we are going with Mojo Jojo. <laughs> and I mean, he's just, well, yes, they often bested him because, well, they're the power girl. So, yeah. but like he had lofty goals and he would actually get pretty far along his plans yes. and just, just, he just going up against a slightly far superior. I, I think we can all agree that Mojo Jojo's truly his finest moment was the episode where he dressed up in drag and went to the girls' slumber party as Mojisha. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was that may be my favorite Powerpuff Girls episode ever. Wait, was that I a Wait, that was a real episode? You didn't yes. make that Yes. And he called himself Mojisha. <laughs> oh, shit. That's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I love that show so much. <laughs> All right. What have you got? Okay. Um, I watch a fair bit of TV, but I am nothing compared to my flatmate, as they would say overseas. How many TV shows on average would you say you watch? Oh, I watch a lot. Like, give me a number. Like, right now on my Per list, season. No, there's no seasons anymore. Okay. So right now on my, my watching list, yeah, I probably got like close to 50 television shows that I watch at any time, any given time. Okay. So while I don't watch the majority of TV in my house, there is always TV on in my house. And when... Hold on. But also I read a lot too. I don't want people to just think I sit. I also read almost like 80 books a year as well. I, I read a lot too. I, uh, I don't just watch that. I read a lot too. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I don't be reading shit. You sound bad. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Research. So a lot of times I will just see things in passing and hear things and sometimes something will catch my attention. And when it's a TV show that I don't even watch, but it's on in my, and, and I just happen to see some scenes with one particular villain and I'm just like, wait, what? And then I start watching every time that villain appears on screen that I just, I, just, I see it over and over again and I'm always, I'm like, wow, what a dick to the point that I actually got excited during a scene of this show I didn't even watch just because this character dies. And that character was King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> as played yeah. by Jack Gleason, who was so good in the role that, I mean, the death gave Diana Rigg, rest in power, the best line of the entire series. Yes. Which was, tell Cersei, I want her to know it was me. And that, yeah, I, what a little bastard. Oh, he was like awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just, I couldn't look away anytime he was on screen and just such, such an effective little snot face. Well, that actually goes into my number three of best villains, which is his mother. Cersei Lannister. Cersei Lannister. <laughs> he was evil from the word go. Mm -hmm. There was never anything about her that, yeah, well, she was just And something that's evil. That's really funny to me is that at the end of, I believe the second to last season, that's the shame nun, yeah. where they, they cast her out. Yeah. You got so excited at the thought of <laughs> what she was going to do to that entire kingdom. <laughs> Once a bitch got her hair back. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I was. I was like, oh, Cersei's gonna kill everybody. <laughs> and she does. She really does. Yeah, she is just evil to the core. 
excellent villain. Yeah. All right, Durwood, number two. All right, so my next one, um, if there's a Mount Olympus for TV villains, uh, they should be ruling it as, as their Zeus. Uh, and we're going with the classic J.R. Ewing from Dallas. Nice. <laughs> the, he's actually, I, I almost put him on my list, but I figured you would. He, I mean, he's the blueprint for a TV villain. He, people hated him so much <laughs> that when he was shot, and they had that cliffhanger of who shot JR. It wasn't so much excitement about figuring out who shot JR. It was excitement about he might die and we might finally be rid of this guy. I mean, it was. And can relate. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, people said, you know, he was the character people love to hate. But no, people, there was no love there. We all hated JR Ewing. We wanted JR Ewing to die. He was a and bastard. He was a bastard. But when Sue Ellen's baby sister came in and uh, lit his ass up, oh, we were happy about that. Spoiler alert. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe, what you got? Number two. So that is a very, very great segue into my number two. Because my number two, this show playfully reenacted that hatred. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and a cliffhanger of shooting this person. And that is Mr. Burns. Good call. Good call. Chef's kiss. And I mean, Simpsons is um, between that and Cheers are probably my two favorite shows of all time. And but Simpsons is amazing, and it's just what they do with Mr. Burns, and just like even there's like there's a few times where they give you like a little bit of sympathy for him here and there in the you know the three million episodes or so that you know there have been. But, like, he's just hateful, and, like, it's so great. I mean, he just, you know, releases the dogs and everyone. And, he but the fact that, you know, that. Maggie Simpson shoots him. Yeah. This spoiler. <laughs> but that's, I remember that summer, it was all about, like, they had, like, guess who it was? And I remember, I was close. I thought it was that baby he wanted to steal candy from. When he's like, hmm, oh, I shall do, go do that. <laughs> but I, that summer was all trying to figure that out. And that, that, but yeah, Mr. Burns is evil. Nice. You're number two? I only have one left. All right, my turn. <laughs> uh, and I think this is a great villain in the movie, but I love him even better in the TV show. And that is Hannibal Lecter and Hannibal. Oh, I, I, I thought about Hannibal, but oh. I was like, something else did. He's so good in the TV show. Like, and the problem is, is like, I watch that show and like, he's cooking people and I'm like, oh my God, that looks so good. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God. oh that's somebody's heart. Like, oh, <laughs> fucking Brian Fuller. Like just the way that show was shot was so, so amazing. But like, he murders people constantly in that show. And it's done in the most beautiful way I've ever seen. And really, and you just wanted him and Will Graham to fuck. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be real. You just wanted that to happen. But. 100%. Yeah. If you did not watch Hannibal, it is on Netflix now. Watch Hannibal. It is amazing. And Gillian Anderson is god She's so good. Yeah. All right. Number one, who is the best TV villain, Derwood? All right. Um, I've often said that this TV show for one season is probably the best one season of television there ever was. 
and everything about it was exquisite uh, and expertly done, uh, especially their villain, the way that it was portrayed, the way that it was written, the way that it was presented to us, everything about it was perfect. We were afraid of this person. We were angered by this person. Uh, we wanted this person to go down, but I think even until the very end, we weren't sure if they actually were going to be defeated. And that's all the markings of a great villain. I'm talking about Siler from Heroes, the very first season. Oh, yeah. Nothing better, in my opinion. That whole season, the way they told that whole story, and it all hinged on this villain, in my opinion. And this, Zachary Quinto's portrayal of it was perfect, spot on, and it just did everything you needed to uh, to, to, to tell that story. It was yeah. perfect. It was perfect. That is a good villain. Yeah. All right, Joe, what you got? Number one. Um, my number one um, is from a show I didn't watch from the beginning. I caught up with it just before the last season started to air. And I, 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 I mainlined it, if you will. And this villain was, um, did not make it through the entire series, shocking, but um, was so amazing. And a lot of times there's a show I'm not necessarily going to... Um, I didn't, don't know if I'm going to watch. I'll hear stuff about it, but I usually forget about it. This character's death was the only time, like it was like years and years and years before I saw it, that stuck with me. And it was still like an oh shit moment. And is that a Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, hmm. by, played by Giancarlo Esposito, who is plays so many great villains. Like Yes. But... Um, like he's right now on the boys. Um, he's in the Mandalorian, and it's it's weird seeing him show up when he's uh, not a villain. So it's kind of uh, he plays a kind of wacky character in this uh, in the movie Unpregnant that just came out recently on HBO Max. But uh, but yeah, Gus Fring is just evil and just a bad guy. And and in the world of Breaking Bad, that's saying something. <laughs> And but Breaking Bad was an amazing show, and the fact that you part of what makes an amazing show is your bad guys are amazing, and he was the best of them. All right, well, friend, what is the best TV villain in your opinion? My well, it's my favorite TV villain. I have to, I have to say, these were all personal, personal preference. Sure, sure. All right, mine was so, the best. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there is something to be said when a villain is not only the most appealing character in a show, but consistently the best thing about a show. And that is the case here. This show started off as brilliant and then became good and then became okay and then became bad and then became nearly unwatchable and then became good again. But one thing remained the same. This villain was consistently the best thing about it, and that was Sylvester on Glee, played by Jane Lynch. <laughs> oh, she was phenomenal. She, I mean, she that fifth season, her and Chris Colfer carried that entire season because they were the best things on it, and she, always on point, always funny, 
always multi-layered with her delivery. And the fact that, this, and this is a testament to how awesome Jane Lynch is, is that they could create a dramatic storyline for her and with a character as ridiculous as Sue Sylvester managed to sell it 100%. And that was the storyline about her sister uh, who had, I, I believe, either Down syndrome or, or uh, some kind of atypical neuro, uh, uh, neurological condition. And just absolutely brilliant. Uh, in oh yeah, that was that. That was like give you a little bit of humanness, and then yeah, yeah. Or like when she gave the speech about how she doesn't believe in God because of her sister, and it's it just one of the most incredible performances. And she was consistently the best thing on that show. So my favorite villain, Sue Sylvester, and the and the character originally was not supposed to be a regular on the series because it was supposed to be a guest role. Because I guess. Jane Lynch was already attached to a Damon Wayans pilot at a ABC that fell through. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when that show first, like the pilot, and it's funny, you know, you know, my career basically is in musical theater, so of course I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. And but then a lot of people are like, but it's not like geared towards like teenagers. I'm like, no, no, not no, at all. It's not. Like, there's some stuff in it, and then there are times you forget. Sometimes, like. Oh, these are teenagers. Like I remember, there was the one like where they are at prom, and the band's playing Friday, and yeah. it was all like, and you're like, why the hell? Oh no, they would be no, they would be listening to Friday. Like they, this, these would be legit teenagers. I but, still yeah. think that in this first season, Glee was one of the funniest shows on television. Oh yeah, it was hilarious. It was and so that was hilarious. due in large part to Jane Lynch. She's I'll me. agree with that. All right, my best TV villain. Is and it's still a show that uh, the next season's about to pop up hopefully soon. Is Serena Joy and The Handmaid's Tale? Hmm. The best villain on television because not only does she seem so real, she is she is like the monster of that show almost because she knows what these women are going through and she just doesn't care. She just wants what she wants. She's the Phyllis Schlafly of the future. Oh, yeah. She just wants what she wants, and she does not care what these women are going through. Yeah. She, and I don't know the actress that plays her, but she is. Um, oh, she, that's, um, she was on um, Chuck, wasn't she? On what? I never watched that show. Um, her performance. One woman, right? Yeah. Her performance. Oh. Just, it's frightening. Like, I'm blanking on her name now, but yeah, she was great on Chuck. Yvonne Stravosky. Yeah. Yes. She, she is terrifying on that show. And there's a lot to be terrified about on that show. But I'm scared to watch it. Oh, I, there, I don't think there's been more than like two episodes I didn't end up crying during. So that's there, there are some shows that, you know, it's, it's, it's well, I'll catch little bits and pieces here and there and Nicole will watch it. Um, but like, it's one, there's some shows where, oh, I fell behind. I need to, um, you know, watch a couple episodes to catch up. No, this is not a show you watch more than one time. No. All right. We got to move a little quicker. We, we were slow. We were slow on that one. All right. Worst movie villains. All Worst right. Movie villains. I'll start That's this right. off. I'll start this off hot. Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin. Oh, Damn it, that was on my list. <laughs> of course it was, because it was shitty. <laughs> I don't need to say much more than that. We all know why that was bad. It was horrible. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, God. It was just bad.
bad. Shitty. Shitty. Probably his worst performance. Yeah, that was, that's saying that's, something. I'll pull another one up, but that was on my list as well. <laughs> Joe, what you got? So throughout my entire list, I tried to stay away, especially with villains, I tried to stay away from um, kind of superheroes and Disney because <laughs> it made it easier because narrowing it down on those, some of those is tough. However, there are a couple of villains in this one because most of mine are the portrayal of said villain. Mm. <laughs> This one, although it's not a superhero movie, but it is sadly this actor's, this brilliant actor's final performance. And that is Raul Julia's M. Bison from Street Fighter. Oh. Like, oh. horrible movie. Horrible movie. And the fact that, like, you could tell he was not doing well. Yeah. In that, and he's supposed to play this buffed out, like, dictator villain that can, like, you know, do corkscrews through the air type thing. Well, at least with the video game, I don't know what happened in the movie. I blocked the movie out of my head, more, for more or less. But it was, I mean, the sad that that's what we kind of sent him off with, knowing oh. that he had such an amazing line of work beforehand. And then, oh, by the way. Ugh, that's sad. All right, yeah. what is that? Uh, number five for me, uh, bad performance, bad villain, bad story, bad book probably, bad movie. John Travolta as Turl in Battlefield Earth. Oh, <laughs> that was an honorable mention. <laughs> Good call. Rack brain. Uh, 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 it's all I remember from that movie. <laughs> Just bad. Really, really oh. bad. Yeah, that um, was a bad, bad movie. Well, mine was Mr. Freeze again. Nah, bad. So we'll keep moving. Durwood. Okay. Um, this next one's a little bit outside of the box, but y'all know how much I hate that movie Empire Records. And <laughs> I think they're trying to make Music Town the villain in that movie uh, when all they really want to do is, you know, make people show up to work on time and maybe wear a name tag. Um, these little sniveling idiots need to get over themselves and shut the fuck up. And uh, they would not steal the company's money and gamble it in Atlantic City. Maybe they wouldn't be in this situation. Uh, go fuck yourself, uh, Empire Records. That's all I got to say. Wait, I think you just put wow, that I didn't on even the bother list. to like, like learn their name. <laughs> I think you just put that on the list just to bring up Empire Records. <laughs> Maybe. They were trying to crush the music just with corporateness and... Oh, yeah, like good music's no longer going to exist because a corporation's selling it. Hey, that's not relevant. <laughs> the fact that the name of the manager is Joe Reese, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right, Joe, what do you got? I'm going with Music Town from... No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, mine is an, a great actor. Great actor, um, has put in some great performances um, and can do some good dramatic, some good comedic. This was just a flaming pile of turd. And that is Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor from Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Special Victims Unit, whatever the hell that (laughs) thing was. Like, that was, first off, bad movie. Didn't like it. Um... But yeah, that, I don't know what the hell was with that performance. It was just like, like, Lex Luthor is like this 
criminal mastermind. Like he is the intellectual foil to Superman. Like whatever, what Superman is physically, that's what Lex Luthor is mentally. Like he can go toe to toe. He cannot match him for strength until he builds equipment. So he can go toe to toe with strength. But the fact that he's just this, I don't even know what the hell it was. It was just. He had hair. It was not right. Yeah, and I mean, and, and Luther's had hair in the in the comics, just not usually his own, or he's from a, a different, you know, or he's from a you know a different universe. So then when he does have hair, he's a good guy. But that's not what this was. No, that was a bad performance. All right, what do you got? Who's your who's your least? All right, this is going to require some explanation because okay. if I were to just say this character's name, there would be an uproar if I were to ever call her a bad movie villain. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you really look at this story, <laughs> I maintain that this character is not a villain. And that would be Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Is that her job? Uh, explain. All that is is a story of a belligerent teenager who did not read the end user agreement. She was just trying to get that Prince Eric dick and all she did was sign her name and Ursula collected on the agreement that Ariel agreed to. If you call Ursula a villain, you have to call Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka a villain. <laughs> also true. Because same thing happens to Charlie. He did not read the fine print. Yep. And just calling them out on it. Yep. I'm just saying, Ursula gets a bad rap. And, and she is one of the most beloved characters of the Disney Renaissance, without a doubt. But I would not say that she's a bad villain. Well, in all fairness, though, I don't think that's what makes her the villain. I think once she gets the power, she tries to fight. Well, people have been jerking her around for a minute at that point. Like, maybe she's just sick and tired. Yeah, but I think, you know, it, it kind of, it's like, maybe just, you know, put some really heavy taxes on them. Or, maybe. like, you know. Like she's, you know, she's just trying to get her shit done, and Clam Tits over here is trying to bring down the Empire. Wow. Really? Rude. I mean, there are clams on her tits, though, so I think that's an accurate description. I don't think they're clams. Oyster tits? No, they're definitely not oyster shells. We're going to need a ruling on this from Sound Engineer Joey. Yeah, it's a bivalve of some kind, but I don't know if it's clown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Scallop tits. Scallop tits. All right. My next one is Baldwin from Crybaby. Mm. Terrible villain. Again, I don't like whiny villains, and he is a <laughs> whiny villain. If you're going to be a villain, man up and be a good villain. Whiny. That's a good call, actually. I'm, I was going to say, I'm, the I'm only way it's acceptable that. is if that is their ruse to put your, to let your guard down. Then they turn out to not to be a whiny villain. Yeah. Whiny but that's villain. usually not the case. I don't like whiny villains. Like, tough villains. All right. What you got, Derwood? Okay, so my next one is Goldmember from Austin Powers and Goldmember. <laughs> Goldmember was just I'm lame. weird, right? Yeah, it was just... It, I, I don't get why it's... Just speaking with a Dutch accent isn't funny. It, it just isn't. And yeah, that Dr. Evil is great. Goldmember is just weak. It was just flat out weak. And I don't understand why we're supposed to. That third movie is just. Was, uh, I, I would say Fat Bastard falls under henchmen. Ah. Yeah. Uh, yes, Goldmember, bad villain. Although I did like the line 
<laughs> no, you can't. I can't even say it. It makes me giggle. <laughs> you crazy Dutch bastard. That's all I can How about okay. no, you crazy Dutch bastard? <laughs> okay, so that, that was funny. But again, that wasn't gold gold member. No, that was Dr. Yeah. Evil. But I was gonna say, one line a movie does not make. No, 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 no. All right, Joe, what do you got? My next is another horrible performance. <laughs> and by a I guess an acclaimed actor. He's done some good stuff, but he's also a whack job. This is a role that really proved that he is a total and utter whack job. <laughs> um and like this is this is a character that has been portrayed many times in many different ways. Two Academy Award winning capabilities, just not in this performance. And that is Jared Leto's Joker from yeah. Suicide Squad. Whatever the fuck juggalo bullshit that was. <laughs> and like it was like, and then you know, sending, you know, like dead rats to Margot Robbie and like yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was some bullshit. Sometimes you go a bit too far, and he went yeah. too far. Oh, like too far was like, you know, like Bring it in. three states back. Bring it in. Yeah. All right, what do you got? All right. Speaking, uh, actually keeping very much in the vein of what Joe just said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to co-sign on the, uh, the example of brilliant actor, bad performance, bad character. And I'm just going to apologize, Amy, to you right now because you love this movie. <gasps> but I gotta say, one of the weakest villains I've ever seen is Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, played by Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element. I fucking love that movie! <laughs> I, I love that movie. I love that performance. He's no. like, well, he's a bad guy. And like, it's, it's one of those, it's weird because there's so many different layers of who's actually a good guy and a bad guy in that movie. And I mean, ultimately, I think the big flaming ball of molten rock hurling itself across the universe towards Earth Ruby is the ultimate... Yes. Is <laughs> ultimately the bad guy because, like, ultimately, Gary Oldman is just a henchman. He's just trying to... He's doing the bidding of this, like, evil being. Because remember, he takes the phone call which causes him to start bleeding. I love him. I but love I love that movie. I know, I, I, got, I got love for that movie too, but he, he is probably my least favorite part of it. Ugh, whatever. All right, my next one, and I don't know why this one came to mind, but it just did. And this is the original, that, that bullshit remake. The city of Beaumont, Oklahoma and Footloose. <laughs> the whole city is the, the villain the entire city because they won't let people dance fuck those people all of them and there's no reason for it so the entire city I don't even know if it's a real city of Beaumont, Oklahoma and Footloose bad villains bad hey, villains how come for so long that city was not allowed to dance yet at the drop of a hat once they can they all know the choreography <laughs> That is the eighties. That's all that is. <laughs> yeah, horrible, horrible villains. I don't like any of those people. They bad people. It's not a real place. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't want the whole city to like come up against us. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't want to disparage potential listeners. Anywhere was listening to this. <laughs> uh, you know what? They can come get it. If that city's for real, come at us. Tell us what you got, huh? All right. 
There's a knock at your door, Derwin. Number two. Uh, this, uh, I picked this one because it's totally forgettable. And it was obviously a cash grab. And I actually find this actor to be overrated. Uh, I'm going a uh, Whiplash, Iron Man 2, played by Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just weak. Just weak <laughs> as fuck. Why, why the hell am I even supposed to care? I'm pretty sure in the script, there's a reason for me to care. That didn't come through in that movie. That did not come through in that performance. And that character just was just blah. Blah. I could have focused more on Sam Rockwell. You, well, you know, more Sam Rockwell. He had had that comeback with a couple of films, and everyone's like, ooh, let's make him the wrestler. And it was like, when Sin City, too. He was great in Sin City. But it was uh, like, yeah. we don't need him in everything. Like, yeah. Blah, man. There's kind of a reason he went away for a while, because he's kind of a little batshit crazy. Yeah. yeah. So. True. All right, Dur- uh, Joe, what's your s- number two? How dare um, you. Next one is not a bad performance. This is this falls under the um, ineptness in- ineptness side of things. Um, he's a villain across a series of movies. Although he's supposedly a good guy through most of them. His role changes a few times. And he definitely has the stupid henchman. And this is Captain Harris from the Police Academy movies. <laughs> Because he is the foil without the police academy to Mahoney and the, and their band of misfits. He's always out for Commandant Lassard, who, let's face it, not the sharpest hack in the bunch, but no, he's not. He can't outsmart him, <laughs> and yeah, and he's just someone you love to hate, and they're always tricking him with the most stupid things, and he falls for it every time and that is why i'll say captain harris will you say harris was worse than commandant mauser yes because he had the longevity and he worked with them and where mauser was a i mean i would say mauser was a one-off just going against them that one time Mm -hmm. how i mean really it's proctor's fault because it wasn't proctor also mauser's assistant so i mean whatever Proctor's a jerk off. We all know that. Yeah, yeah. And, but he's Lieutenant Mauser. He got, I mean, not Lieutenant Mauser, Lieutenant Proctor. How he got to a lieutenant is, <laughs> speaks wonders of this police department in this uh, mythical city. Yeah. I'm, yours. What's your next? All right. My number two, I know that there's a psychology behind every villain as to reasons that they are the way they are. And sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. But I have to know how empty and meaningless your life has to be that you actually want to kill and eat Kermit the Frog. My number two is (laughs) Doc Hopper from the Muppet movie. (laughs) I just just can't get behind that. I can't get behind the psychology of it. Yeah, he's felt. That would would not taste good. (laughs) But is he a bad villain? I mean, I hate him. All right, my next one, and I love this actor, but I couldn't, I couldn't get behind this, and that is Rutger Hauer playing Lothos and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> worst vampires of all time. That you went. I don't know. Paul Rubin's vampire in that movie is pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 Look, I love my vampires, 
and that was an insult to my vampires and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> okay. All right, worst movie villain, Durwood. This is actually somebody who's been mentioned on our podcast very recently. And God damn it, do I hate this character. Scrappy-Doo from the first Scooby-Doo movie. Oh my God. It was, first of all, it was a fucking cop-out. It was a cop-out. They mentioned Scrappy-Doo during the movie for all the fans of Scooby-Doo who hate Scrappy-Doo. They did that for us. They did, did us that service. Then they cop out by making the main villain at the end be Scrappy-Doo in a suit of something that they pull the mask off of. And that reveal and that it was a cop-out, it was dumb, wow. it was lame, it was stupid, and it made me hate Scrappy-Doo all over again even more. Fuck you, Scrappy-Doo! <laughs> I'm gonna kill you, Scrappy Doo. <laughs> there is real hatred for Scrappy Doo. I, just, I will I, say something to be said about those movies because first one, eh. second one actually wasn't too bad, but Matthew Lillard's Shaggy is a thing of genius. It is amazing. So Very let's well not. Done. But Scrappy Doo, I. I actually found myself very weirdly attracted to Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. What the fuck is wrong with you, Anthony? I don't know. Lots, I don't know, but I lots like of things. A, I felt like this was a safe circle and we could share. I mean, um, yeah, you can share. I'm still going to judge. Uh, you read the room wrong. I'm just yeah. Saying. When have we ever not judged and been like, your <laughs> weird fetishes? Judging stuff. All right, Joe, worst, worst movie villain. So this character has been mentioned already on um, this podcast, this very episode, in fact, but not in a worst, in a best from TV by me. However, the movie version played by a phenomenal actor in a horrible movie, in a horrible performance, and that is Frank Langella's Skeletor from Masters of the Universe. That's an excellent call. Great cartoon character. And whatever that bullshit was of a movie. He had eyeballs. He had eyeballs. Yeah, and it just... And then he pops up at the end, like, I'll be back. He was like, no, you won't. He went not back. Like, I think I was seven when I saw that movie. I'm like, this shit ain't get a sequel. (laughs) I'm ready for a a proper reboot. And I'm... and, And this is... And I'm, as someone that, you know, watches, you know six police academy movies on a regular basis and i'm all like this is some bullshit movie my god all right who's the worst all right for me the worst for me uh what constitutes a good villain is i should be able to look at them look at their philosophies look at their role look at their mindset and go that person is bad and I decided for my number one worst to go with a character who is unquestionably the villain of this movie. And I may have even thought that when I first saw it, but there's been some time now. There's been a little growth. It's been a little maturing on my part. I've, I've had a little more life experience and I'm looking, I'm going, no, no I'm, I'm calling bullshit. That villain is not a villain. And that quote unquote villain is Benjamin Coffin the Third, as played by Tay Diggs in the movie Rent? <laughs> yes, I agree. I, I when remember I first, when I first obviously heard the musical of Rent. I was twenty. I was twenty-one when that came out. So 
you know, very much in my young kind of bohemian artist, yeah, damn the man phase. But if you really look at it, now as a 45-year-old man and I look at Benny, boy, they did him dirty. Like, <laughs> they did him dirty. He let those two freeloading motherfuckers live in that building for free for a year under the promise that they would pay rent to him after a year. And when the bill came due, the two of them sat there with their hands in their pockets and sang a song and lit a fire indoors. <laughs> Singing about how righteous they were in their anger. Yeah. So as you know, that is like Nicole's favorite musical of all time. Yeah. And I didn't see it until I was a grown ass adult. Like it, it came out. I remember when it came out, a bunch of my friends went and saw it. I didn't. And I think I finally saw it and I was like, 25, 26 years old, by the time I finally got to see it. And I saw it, and I knew this, I knew the story, I knew the music, and I watched it, I'm like, is it bad that I'm siding with Benny? Like, like that was like my thought at the end. I'm like, I mean, I understand where some of them are coming from and the thoughts and, and, you know, what the characters are and what they're going through, and it's tough being an artist and all that, but it's also like, get a job. You're fucking over your friend. Well, let's let's talk about choices. And like, the, the scarf wearing motherfucker even resents getting a job in its preferred field. Yeah. <laughs> Wants to make documentary films. Gets offered a job to do that. And he's like, man, but now I'm shelling out. Motherfucker, pay your rent. <laughs> yeah. The name of the fucking musical. Hey, the other song, and it's like not only like even after they screw him, he is still down to hang out with them. He is still willing to put all of his efforts into making sure they have a platform to legitimately make their art. He pays for Angel's funeral. He pays to put the girl he's dating, who's in love with another guy, through rehab. Like they did him dirty. That is not a villain. Yep. Cosign. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, mine seems silly at this point. My uh, worst villains were the water bandits from Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that tracks. That tracks, though. They got and also, child. but let's be real. The worst villain is Kevin McAllister because... The amount of assault that he is putting on that, like, I don't think, I mean, like, some of those, uh, he will, they will have legitimately died. Yeah. They broke into his house. They broke into his house. <laughs> He's defending his house. But one of them's Daniel Stern. I know. <laughs> oh, like, okay, seriously, I mean, it's like, and I mean, yeah, depending, and then the way they made up Pesci, like, in some movies, yeah, Pesci's frightening. This movie, eh, not so much. It was not frightening. Bad villain. All right, we got to get through this. Best movie villains. Let's do it. Durwood, what you got? All right, in the interest of keeping it short, I'll just say uh, Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc in The Founder. Oh. Um, yeah, makes you not really want to eat McDonald's all that often. I mean, I, I still do, but you know, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say. Interesting choice. I just watched that recently. It's a pretty good movie. Very good. Yeah. Joe? So if this one I'm cheating, and it's two people, two different characters, two different movies, really no relation, but I wanted, I wanted to include them both. I couldn't choose between both, either one, so I had... <laughs> it's by the friend the same director, and if you've seen the movies, you know what I'm, why I, I think why I'm like him. 
That's Hatchet Harry from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Bricktop from Snatch. <laughs> they are both two very feared people in this very inept London underground of villains. Yes. And they rule, like, they're, they're feared. Like, they are flat out feared. And, you know, one beats someone to death with a large black dildo, and one feeds people to the pigs. pigs. <laughs> so, you know, not, not, not great people. But they get bested for stupid things. And, but they are also, but because they are so feared and such just great villains, they're just bad guys yeah. that you're like, nope, you're not a good person at all. But they're so good. Yeah. And Guy <laughs> Ritchie can write some, 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 good, some good bad guys. I agree. What do you got? Uh, for me, uh, mine is, my number five is actually animated. And when you are working in animation as an artist, you can draw every scary monster in the world that you want. But when you can actually make a human so terrifying and evil as an animator named Frank Thomas did in Cinderella with the Wicked Stepmother, uh, it really just brings the whole art form to another, another level paired with Eleanor Audley's amazing <laughs> performance as her voice. Yeah. And it, take a look at that movie. It's more than just the cartoon mice. And there is some masterclass artistry going on in that movie. And that performance is great. And we, we recently saw the, the live action adaptation. And Kate Blanchett is amazing. And her dresses look fantastic. But she still can't top Frank Thomas in that role, in my opinion. Okay. I'll agree with that. I agree. <laughs> villains have to stick with me like they get in my head and i can't even if i see the movies over and over again i find new things like the ones that affect me and not only was this visually stunning but it still scares the crap out of me and that is vincent d'onofrio's performance in the cell oh yeah d'onofrio plays a good villain oh yeah but in the cell just visually and his performance is so creepy that it, it still it sticks with it gives me willies it like sticks with me visually and his performance i think is just amazing as that villain he's so I good seen, i haven't seen that in a while let me go back and I watch love that. That so good derwood what do you got okay i'm actually calling an audible right now i'm going with somebody that i just thought of who's not on my list it needs to be brought up, and I'm going with Biff from Back to the Future 2. Oh, 2? Uh, yeah, well, in all forms, in all forms. Grandpa Biff, uh, yeah. older Biff, uh, young Biff. He is just such an... Are you, going, are you including Griff as well? Uh, yes, also including Griff, uh, but he's just such an asshole, and yeah. you, you, you hate him, and you want him to get his... And thank God he does. But yes, that character's played so well. And just, oh, a villain that makes me so mad and makes me want them to be defeated, that's all I could ever ask for. And that's, yeah, it's one of the best of that. Joe, what do you got? Mine is probably, well, this character is over, <coughs> excuse me, um, goes over three movies. I'm really just focusing on the first movie in the series because it really shows the arc to a villain. And Joe, you're probably going to need to go earmuffs on a lot of this because Michael Corleone from The Godfather. Mm. And especially that first movie where it starts out that he's a war hero. He fought in the war and he came back 
and he has nothing to do with the family business. Like, and they make it, and then like they'll be talking about stuff, and James Conn's like, no, here he's not part of the family business. No, I want to stay here. You know, I'm here to help. And then it after his dad gets gunned down, he's like, no, I'll, I'll, and he's like, I'm going to take down this this fucker and this corrupt cop, because no one expects it from him. And then he goes to Italy, and then the whole movie is him slowly and slowly going further and further down until you get to the baptism scene where he's the godfather to his sister's baby. And during that um, baptism, he has ordered the hit to the heads of the five families, the other five families. And like, it's just such a beautiful thing, but it's like just this progression into evil. And then just further goes throughout the rest of the movies. But, and it's probably one of Al Pacino's best performances. All right. What about you? Without a doubt. Uh, my next one is uh, an, an amazing, an amazing, amazing actor played this role. Uh, it was William the Butcher Cutting from Gangs of New York as played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Nice. Um, an incredible, disturbing performance and maybe it's my fear of blades, um, but that one really stuck with you me. Got, uh, Wesley Snipes. That, uh, and that, that character was actually based very loosely on a real guy named William Poole, who was also called the Butcher. Uh, he was apparently a very ferocious bare knuckle boxer uh, who was known for fighting dirty, gouging people's eyeballs out and biting noses off, uh, which I thought was interesting. And, uh, <laughs> and they called him the Butcher because he also worked as a butcher shop. So he was very uh, at a butcher shop. He wasn't a butcher shop, but he, uh, he worked <laughs> Shopping was very skilled with knives as well, and that's a pretty scary dude. And Daniel Day Lewis in Gangs of New York, pretty scary dude. His mustache was scary as well. All right, my next one also, one again, stuck with me and still sticks with me, and that would be Annie Wilkes in Misery. Ooh, nice. Good call. Annie Bates in that movie is terrifying. Because she's so sweet half of the time. And then she's clobbering your foot with a bat. Well, that, like, that goes back to what I said about the Wicked Stepmother. It's like, it's easy to do over-the-top monstrosity. Yeah. But to bring actual horror from just a regular person. Yeah. The yes. nuance in that is just, yeah, she just fucking nailed that. Just nailed it. Yeah, villain. Ooh. That's what I have to say. Durwood. Dolores Umbridge. From the Harry Potter movie. Ah, uh, yes. J.K. Yep. Rowling is a garbage person. <laughs> the portrayal of that character in that universe, I had such visceral reactions to it. It was, I, oh my, I, I've never hated a fictional character more. And it really, <laughs> really, in real life, it got to me. Yeah. Really got to me. And yeah, um, that was, that's a good villain right there. That's a oh, really yeah. good villain right there. And she played her really well, too. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Joe. Um, my next one, we're going back to the 60s. Um, it's an old movie. And that is Baby Jane Hudson. is played by Betty Davis and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> nice. That is a frightening movie. And just, it's some amazing performances. But, yeah, it's just... It just sticks with you. It's just there, and it's just. That's what I'm saying. 
them stick with you when they're really good. Yeah, and the fact that you know, you know, thinking about like with fame and what it does to you, and this was back in the '60s. So I mean, just think of how likely a, um, a baby Jane Hudson can happen now. Yeah, actually, yeah. All right, what you got? All right, my number, my number, what is this, number three now? Three. All right, my number three, uh, uh, the last uh, uh. animated one on my list. Um, and that is, as played by Lucille Laverne, the Wicked Queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Because, I mean, you think about, like, villains and what, what motivates them. Imagine a woman who is used to being told she's the prettiest in her kingdom, and then one day, her magic mirror tells her there is another, and it's her stepdaughter. And whereas a normal person would be like, oh, that's wonderful. I couldn't agree more. She's beautiful inside and out. I sure do love that girl. She's like, nope, bitch gotta die. In not like two seconds. Not only does she yeah. gotta die, we gotta make it grisly. So here's what I want you to do, Huntsman. I want you to kill this bitch who is my husband's daughter, who's about 13 years old, cut her heart out and put it in this fucking box and serve it to me. In like two seconds. In like two yeah. seconds. I think we found out why you're not the fairest anymore. You may be there in beauty, but I think the fact that you want to cut a bitch so quickly. That is just, that is cold blooded. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, and it's not even that, you know, oh, oh, go cut her face up or, you just know, kill her. disfigure her and so, nope, she got to die. Bring me her ring finger. No, and it's quick. All right, my next one. Oh, and I love this movie so much. And it's uh, played by Rosamund Pike, Amy Dunn, and Gone Girl. Ooh. Oh, she's good. Oh, that was such a good movie. And that her performance is so good. Oh, that movie's brilliant. She is such a good villain because she seems plausible. That's another thing I like about villains. Like, she seems plausible to me. Like, that's a real person that could do that. Yeah. I love that movie. She is an amazing villain, and Rosamund Pike is an amazing actress. On top of all of that, yeah. Well, that's kind of back to like Dolores Umbridge. That can be yeah. that's a real person. Like there are people like that, you know, where it's like, yeah. Oh, all right, Derwood, number two. Okay, my next one may seem a bit obscure, uh, but if you're black, you probably see this movie. It's called The Five Heartbeats, and the villain is Big Red. Uh, Anthony, I think I told you a long time ago that black people have an innate distrust of black people with good hair. Uh, sure this is the main, yeah, this is the main reason why uh, this dude's got good red hair. That's why he's called Big Red. And damn, is he evil? Like, on, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but he's on some Suge Knight shit. Uh, he kills one of our heroes in the movie, and then shows up at the funeral talking to his wife, talking about "I'm so sorry for your loss" and all that type of shit. It's, oh, it's like one of those, like, my grandmama would see that movie and would just be like, I want to kill that motherfucker. And I'm just like, grandma, <laughs> chill. It's, it's a movie, but she, it gets to her. And I understand, played by Hawthorne James, an amazing performance. Uh, yes, see this movie, please. I'll shout it from the rooftops. See the five heartbeats. Robert Townsend, genius. I want to. Yeah. All right, Joe, number two. Number two is from probably my favorite horror movie and my favorite Hitchcock film, and that's Norman Bates from Psycho. That's by Anthony Perkins. Such a great performance and just so great throughout and, you know, the twist and everything, but just, it's just so good. 
again, because he seems like a real person. Yeah. Yes. You buy it. Oh, that's good. All right, what about you? Number two. All right, number two for me is uh, a movie that came out some years ago called The Devil Wears Prada. And it is the story of a young journalist who winds up getting a job at a top fashion magazine and works for a boss from hell. Someone who you could never imagine being a worse person. In fact, I might almost call them the villain of that film. Were it not for the actual villain in that film, her boyfriend, Nate, as played by Adrienne Grenier. That's right! (laughs) Yep. This movie now, right? You take a look, because Miranda Priestly, as played by Meryl Streep, she is who she is. And and Andy, who is Anne Hathaway's character, she knows what she's getting into day one. She sees this woman is the devil. But she's trying to make something happen. She's trying to put things in motion. She's trying to make it work. Uh And it's taking up her life and it's taking grit and time and energy and hustle. And what is the person who's supposed to support her doing? Making it all about him. Making it more difficult. Why aren't you spending, why aren't you thinking about me? Why aren't you spending more time with me? Uh Why aren't you making the center of your universe me? Why can't me, 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 me? Fuck that guy. He is the villain of that movie. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. All right. (laughs) Mine. And I finally got an animated one. Yay! And I just watched it recently and I forgot how amazing this movie is and it's awesome. And that's Judge Frollo and the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the animated movie. Mm. That guy is creepy as hell. Yep. He smells her hair. It ain't right. (laughs) (laughs) You don't sniff women's hair, it's weird. But like, he blames everything because he can't keep it in his pants. Like, that ain't her fault. And it ain't Quasimodo's fault that you stuck him up there. Like, oh my God, he is like the worst. I think he is the worst Disney villain. Like, I would put him up there as the worst Disney villain. Judge Frollo. Ooh, bad guy. All right. What is the best one? Best villain, Durwood? Okay. So, a good villain has a clear point of view and a clear objective. A very good villain um, to a great villain has a clear point of view that they believe and that they believe is correct. And it doesn't necessarily make them evil because they believe it and they think it's correct. The best villains can make you see their point of view and make you question whether or not it is actually the wrong point of view. And they make you think, damn, they may actually be right. Should I be rooting for this protagonist? I'm talking about Eric Killmonger from Black Panther. Y'all saw this coming. You, you knew I wasn't yeah. going anywhere else. You knew what I was doing there. But yeah, well, it's it, Michael B. Jordan. God it's damn. Michael B. Jordan. And the character, the performance and the character themselves are so exquisitely fleshed out and presented that it's, yeah, it's, it's perfect. Like, on, to this day, I'm still not quite sure if I was supposed to be rooting against Killmonger. Michael Michael B. Jordan was on screen as Killmonger. I was right there the whole time <laughs> on the edge of my meat. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm with you 100. percent Like when he dies at the end, I, I was emotional. Like I I was upset. I I didn't want him to. But well, like, and that death. I mean, that death was the thing where it was like amazing though. He, you know, in the end, it was one of those things. He chose the death. Yeah. Like, in the end, he'd been saved. And he's like, no, fuck you. And his yeah. perspective was valid. 
It yes. makes sense. Very we're not much talking so. about we're not talking about Gargamel who just wants to eat Smurfs or turn them into gold for no goddamn reason. What the fuck? <laughs> but it Wait, makes that wasn't sense. the underlying part of Black Panther. <laughs> no, wanting to eat Smurfs. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But his point of view, I can That's see it. it. It's valid, yeah. actually. It was just the way he went about it. That was the issue. Uh, you know what? I I can kind of see where that might be necessary sometimes too. All right. I, I get it. I get it. I he didn't necessarily agree with it, but I get it. All right. Joe, who's your best? Best villain. So this one might be a little controversial. Ooh. It's a little weird, and it's going to require an explanation. <laughs> because my top movie villain is the late, great Alan Rickman. Mm. Be- not be- because, think about it. Severus Snape, Hans Gruber, the Sheriff of Nottingham, Judge Turpin, and then Harry, whatever his last name is from Love Actually. All bad people. But he does it in a way that these are bad people that you actually feel for them. You should not care about them. But he does it in such a way. And this, what made me think about this is because I've been rereading Potter books. And we just, um, to to the girls, and we just did, and we're doing one year, we just did Azkaban. And so I'm, and just reading it as was written. At this point, None of the movies had come out. None of the movies came out until after Goblet was written. So those were just going off as just straight what was the text and what was written. And he and Snape is an asshole. He is one of the worst people to Harry. He's supposed to be protecting him, which you don't even really know. But the way he talks, especially in Azkaban, he's yelling at them because for whatever reasons, but like, and just a horrible human being. Then along comes Alan Rickman and he gives this character some sort of depth and heart that you actually feel for him. Cause like he's a, he's a piece of shit in the books up until at least through Aspen. It's been a while since I've read the rest of them, yeah. but through Aspen, he's, he's a horrible human being. Death Eater. The only reason he comes back is because of his zoning Lily, but that's the only thing he cares about is Lily. That's the only thing he does. Like even in, at the end when, he, when Dumbledore was like, Oh, you, you know, you finally care for the boy, you know, and, like, and he shows his patronus and it's the dough because of Lily. And so it's like, he's only doing it because he loves her. Like early on, he even says, um, you need to save this boy. It's like, oh, I hate the, I hate this kid, but I'll do it for Lily. This is a baby. <laughs> Snape is a horrible, horrible person. But Agreed. Alan Rickman did it so you cared. And made it so, If I think if it had been someone else, the random British actor, you know, because that's, I mean, I think the two that weren't in the series that were, you know, over the course of it. John Cleese. It, it might have been, no, he was a ghost and he's a, tra- and he's a trash human also, by the way, because yeah. he's defending the trash yeah. human that is J.K. Rowling. Billy is the ghost. My bad. No, 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 that, no. Billy Connolly's not it. It could have been Billy Connolly and Snape. And oh. that would have been a very interesting. Wait, isn't Billy Connolly Scottish? He is. He's from the UK. We are getting Whatever. Off they all <laughs> Whatever. There's, it's, they're, they're all there. They're, they're all Brexiting or whatever, I think. I don't know. That's always confused me what's what. 
but you know the so that's why alan rickman is because like yeah even hans gruber you know his first performance you're like okay this is, should be just a simple terrace but you're like hmm guy's kind of interesting and you don't necessarily think of harry from love actually who's basically cheating on his wife oh, he's a villain oh no, he's not that bad of a guy it's like no he's a piece of shit yeah, he's he's a woman, but it's Alan Rickman, so I don't think he's a bad guy. I like that choice. Mm-hmm. Very solid. All right, what do you got? All right, my number one. You want to talk about villain? You want to talk about deceit? You want to talk about lies? You want to talk about mistrust, treachery, blackmail, manipulation, selfishness? It's all there in this one character, as played by Amanda Seyfried, Sophie in Mamma Mia. <laughs> Now, I know this is already turning into the longest episode we've ever done, but we're going to unpack this shit here and now. And I'm going to tell you why Sophie can go fuck a bag of dicks. First of all... Like her mom did. Right. Okay. First of all, let's talk about slut-shaming, because the first song, she's sitting there talking about what a whore her mother was in, in trying to find her dad, but she wouldn't even know this if she was looking in her mother's diaries, which she should not have been doing. And then she's fixing to marry this guy, and she sends invitations to these three strangers who, of course, now feel like they have to show up because they think an old flame is interested again, so she's giving all of them false hope. They show up to this deserted island where the taverna that her mother owns and has a whole fucking song about how goddamn poor she is, now has to add three extra rooms because you know the guys aren't going to bunk together even though I think they do in the movie and so all of these problems start and for her daughter's wedding when she is already so stressed so preoccupied and so freaking out all of a sudden boom here are the ghosts of pussy pass to show up and friend. fuck all the shit up and this is all Sophie's fault and it gets worse because then she starts lying to these dumb motherfuckers that Donna wants to get back with them which is not true uh, that you might be my dad which two out of three is going to turn out to be bullshit and she's lying to Sky because she doesn't want to really ma- marry him anyway and it just it turns into this big thing it just web of lies that Sophie spins that causes distress and heartbreak for everyone else except her. And then at the end of this shit show, what does she not do? The one fucking thing she was supposed to do, which was marry that dude with the abs. Are you done? Villain. (laughs) Out of all the movie villains, that's who you're going with. Yeah, fuck her. All right. My, my. <laughs> that well, was well done, sir. Well done. Well, my villain is an actual villain. Oh, well. And that is Hans Landa and Inglorious Bastards. Oh, no. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, oh, Academy Award winning villain. Yeah. 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 Good call. Good call. Scary motherfucker, that guy. Dude, Ex- when he gets that second glass of milk, though, when he gets that second glass of milk, though, yes. I knew some shit was going to go down. You know what I, I just read, though, about his performance? That if you go back and watch that scene, he taps the, the floor with his foot like you can hear him doing it and see him doing it. And he's monitoring, like when he takes the glass of milk from the girl, her heartbeat in the floor and how she, like, her heart starts to speed up when he's asking her questions. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it makes it even worse. Like, it's so bad. And he is just, like, the biggest, I was going to say, bastard of <laughs> all. And... He gets his comeuppance, which also I love when a villain gets a good comeuppance. And he yeah. gets good comeuppance. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's it. That's, I need to rewatch that. I haven't watched that in a while. I love that movie. All right. That Here's- was the villains.
Man, there's there's a lot to that we had to discuss there, and uh, this this was a good episode. But anyway, uh, if you thought we missed some, or you want to add some, or you have some feelings on our choices, uh, please feel free to reach out to us either through our Facebook page, or you can follow us on Twitter at Pop Culture House. Or I don't do Twitter. You tell us how they can contact us. Or you can email us at thehouseofpopculture@gmail.com. And if you'd like, you can get a dose of our funny every day on Twitter. You can follow me, Anthony Donovan, at Daboy, D-A-B-O-Y. I'm at Reggie Swing. And I'm Prisoner246, Obi-Wan. And uh, we also want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon. We are completely listener-supported, and we want to thank you guys so much for keeping this going during this year when we so badly want to connect with you, and we are happy to be of service to be an escape for you and talk about your favorite things about pop culture. And if you are interested, uh, check out our page on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to exclusive things such as blog posts and some videos, our before and after show notes from sound engineer Joey. You can hear Amy and Derwood arguing about nothing for five minutes, which is riveting. Trust I me. win. Uh-huh. I love it. Never wins. We want to- the, uh, Their arguments, they kept arguing you and it makes you change your mind. Yeah. We want to thank sound engineer Joey and Yay! everyone at home for checking us out and we will see you next time. Bye! Gargamel butthole. <laughs> I'm thinking about